0: This episode of The Yarn is sponsored by Heinemann in their professional book, A Teacher's Guide to Reading Conferences. Colby talked with author Jennifer Ceravallo about the book.
1: My book's about conferring, uh, which is such an important topic for me. It's the first book I ever wrote was about conferring and it's really exciting to be able to return to the topic. Um, and I think it's such an important thing for teachers to feel good at and uh, it's such an important practice to make sure we make time for every day in the classroom. Um, Conferring in reading, conferring in writing, conferring in math, Um, this idea of a one-on-one conversation with students to really get to know them better, to follow their interests and acknowledge their strengths and nudge them along with next steps.
0: Connecting with students about their learning is one of the most meaningful things a teacher can do. A teacher's guide to reading conferences will show you how to make that time even more powerful. Visit Heinemann.com to learn more and order a copy. Welcome to The Yarn, a School Library Journal production. I'm Colby Sharp. Do you remember what you were doing back in April of 2007? I was finishing up a long-term sub-job interviewing for what would become my first full-time teaching position, and I was enjoying time as a first-time father with my three-month-old son. While my world was being turned upside down, a new book series was released that millions of kids would soon fall in love with. That book series, Diary of a Wimpy Kid. Fast forward a little more than 13 years. I'm getting ready to enter my 14th year as a teacher. I'm a father of five, and the Diary of a Wimpy Kid series has sold more than 250 million copies. The Wimpy Kid books are the longest-running series on the New York Times bestseller list. One week longer than Harry Potter. Sorry, J.K. As Jeff Kinney gets ready to go on a unique book tour that follows social distancing guidelines, he took a few minutes out of his day to talk to me about Wimpy Kid, his latest book, Rowley Jefferson's Awesome Friendly Adventure, and he shared with me what he would say to his readers as they begin transitioning back to school.
1: Hey
2: Colby, how are you?
1: I'm doing well, Jeff. How are you?
2: I'm doing great. Thanks so much for calling.
1: Yeah, thank you so much for taking the time to to chat with me. Uh, I know you have a lot going on, so really appreciate it. So, Jeff, we are talking the last week of July. You're about to head out on a socially distanced book tour. Uh, can you just tell me what it's been like for you since mid-March? Uh, what has quarantine, social distancing been like for you?
2: Oh, boy, that's a good question. It feels like the world turned upside down all at once and and for everyone, really, for the whole world. So we're all experiencing some form of this. Um, for me, it was, in in a sense, it, it's been a gift uh, for, for myself and my family because I have a kid who's about to go into his senior year, and I felt like, wow, I'd really love to slow down the clock. You know, it feels like everybody's (laughs) on this fast-moving train. And all of a sudden, we, you know, we got that in the middle of all of this. And I feel terribly for everybody who has suffered and lost their job. Um, But there are a lot of people uh, like us uh, for whom it's been, um, you know, kind of a mixed experience. And now I think we're all kind of ready. Um, We're ready for more. Uh, We've had enough of each other. We've watched, uh, you know, I think a whole season, a a whole uh, like uh, series of Avatar and and many other movies. (laughs) And um, and so, you know, we're 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 hoping to be able to expand our circles a little bit.
1: How do you think your beloved characters uh, from the Wimpy Kid series would have handled a time like this?
2: You know, I actually just wrote about that. I'm writing about it now. I'm writing book 15. And something that I was trying to figure out for that book was how, how to address COVID or quarantine. Because it felt weird to put a book out there that, didn't acknowledge it at all, where it was just a kind of a fully normal world. And I also didn't want to write a book about COVID-19 because I figure people will be sick of hearing about it. They'll be looking for some sort of an escape in their literature. Uh, So I found this narrow way that I hope was the right choice, and I sort of addressed it sideways. So my book starts off with the family quarantined, if you will, in their grandmother's basement, Uh, because their house is being renovated. So they're living the only place they can. And so I get to really address some of the beats of quarantine. I get to have, um, you know, I get to have dad doing Zoom meetings and mom doing homeschooling and, you know, Greg trying to find some way to entertain himself with, you know, without the usual channels. He can't see his friends. So I get to really hit all of those beats. And I think that, Any kid reading the book when it comes out will recognize what I'm writing about. But 10 years from now, a kid might read the book and they might not sense it at all.
1: And when can we expect uh, That Wimpy Kid to come out?
2: That Wimpy Kid comes out on October 27th, in the month of July and August. For me, it's it's awful. It's, It's like I... I work. It starts with twelve hour days and then it gets all the way up to sixteen hour days in, in that in those last three weeks. And it's just <laughs> brutal. It takes a toll on me. And I read something from a cartoonist recently who who kind of outlined what the life of a cartoonist is like. And it seems like everybody goes through this this uh stage where you're just drawing and drawing and drawing and, and um it's it's hard on the body actually.
1: So in a way it almost sounds like creating the series is sort of like you're, you've been quarantined with these characters at times yeah. in your life.
2: Yeah, I feel that way. And this this year has been really strange because when quarantine started, uh, I didn't really, I couldn't work at home. And lots of creators are going through this where I couldn't work at home. I didn't really have any place to be. So I spent a, about two months at the cemetery. Um, and I've done this before where I worked at the cemetery because there's, you know, nobody bothers me. I sit in my car and I can work for hours upon hours in, in that situation. So I had like a blanket. I think it was a bag of Mega Stuff uh, Oreos, a bag of Skittles, and you know some some tubes of Pringles. So probably not the healthiest <laughs> stuff for my brain. But that's uh, that's how I wrote. And you know, so it's it's weird. It's it, it'll be. Interesting to see if the strain of the time shows in the writing. I hope not
1: someday a kid's going to hear this podcast and be like, Mom, I need a tube of Skittles. I need a tube of Pringles, some Skittles, and a fitness cemetery so I could be like Jeff Kinney.
2: I like that. Hey, you said a tube of Skittles. Everything a tube should Skittles. come in a, su- a tube, right? Absolutely.
1: Absolutely. Uh, so, But before that, Wimpy Kid, before Wimpy Kid 15, we yeah. have a new Rowley Jefferson book. So tell us a little bit about this one, because this one feels a little different from, like, feels like we're getting into a fantasy, a little fantasy spin on it.
2: Yeah, and, and I've heard that fantasy does really well at times when, you know, the t- really tough times in the world, and of course we're in the middle of it, so hopefully the the book will be welcomed. Um, I've,
1: I've if, uh, you, you know, you've done pretty well, so I, <laughs> I, I'm expecting that you'll continue that trend. I don't think you have a lot to worry about here.
2: <laughs> I appreciate that. Um, you know, uh this one's called Rally Jefferson's Awesome Friendly Adventure and it's it's just that it's Rally is Greg's best friend and he he's really an innocent kid. He's a kid who likes being a kid and he's sort of too young for his age. So I I thought, you know, what would Rally do if he was writing his own book? And I realized he'd come at it from a place of imagination, you know, he of pure imagination. You know, when you're when your first or second grader writes a book, they're not thinking about, uh, you know, who's going to read it. They're just thinking about the the joy of writing and creating and spinning something into existence. So the book starts off with Rowley uh, just writing his own book, and then Greg uh, takes a look, and, you know, Greg's got, he's more cynical, he's more worldly, and he's got lots of thoughts on, on Rowley's book. So the book is really a give and take between Greg and, uh, Rowley and Greg becomes Rowley's editor of, of sorts, but he's very savvy about the marketplace and, and the things you can <laughs> and can, can't get away with. Um, uh, for example, uh, you know, Sherlock Holmes is, is a part of Rowley's universe, even though it's a fantasy story. Um, and Greg says, well, if you, you know, if this character has got a pipe, uh, you know, he, you're never going to get this book into book fairs. So things like that where Greg's giving actual sound advice, you know, but um, hopefully it will read as funny to kids.
1: Uh, We're really, really excited in the Sharp House School to get our copy. Um, So you're going on a book tour, uh, kind of like a socially distanced book tour. And one thing that has been, I think, really hard on young readers is, not be able to connect with authors and illustrators they're not you know of a a lot of your readers aren't of age to be on social media and to have those accounts and to be able to see different things that are going on there's been no author visits I mean there's really been no classroom and school libraries no public libraries So I know kids feel very disconnected from their reading communities and from creators so what are you hoping to accomplish with this book tour and what is it going to look like?
2: That's a great question. Well, first of all, I'm I'm driving around in a van. It's decked out to look like, you know, Raleigh's adventure van, if you will. Um, I'm mostly going by myself. I think I might pick up, uh, you know, a publicist or two along the way, hopefully. Um, But I'm going to drive from independent bookstore to independent bookstore and do uh, curbside deliveries where I'll be personally delivering my book to each kid. I've got a 92 inch grabber, so that should give us our six feet. So hopefully, um hopefully kids will get a kick out of it. It's a moment in time, you know, what we're going through right now. Um We'll take some pictures, of, you know, moms and dads will take a picture of their kid, you know, leaning out the window and getting their book from this guy with a mask with a uh, 92 inch grabber tool with a trident on its end. Um so I hope we can you know it, we can bring a smile to kids along the way. That would be nice. I just feel like everything's gotten canceled and there's been no good news and in fact, we had to postpone our book because we realized it was going to come out at the absolute height of the pandemic um, so this is something i'm I really hope we can pull this off because because you know there there are these um, new state guidelines that might kind of trip us up a little bit. Uh we just wanna be safe and we want it to be a good experience for kids and something that's memorable.
1: Yeah, I think all of us that have worked with kids, we know that sometimes it just takes like you can change the life of just one kid and you never know when it's gonna be. So you know, a lot of these tours I'm guessing you get to see tens of thousands of kids or thousands of kids or hundreds of yeah. kids in a gymnasium, but uh there's something special about handing a book directly to a child. So I think that's I pretty think cool that so. you're doing that.
2: I think so. I hope so. Uh,
1: So just two more things I want to touch on. Uh, If you could see a group of kids and you could talk to them right now, here we are as they're about to possibly head back to school, maybe, maybe not. What what would you say to your readers today?
2: Boy, there's a difference between what I'd say to my readers today and if they're back in school. (laughs) Um, I'll start with what I know. You know, what, what kids are going through right now is it's really hard. It's really um, you know, this is this is gonna make a mark um this this time when kids aren't able to see their friends, they're not able to see their teachers. And we don't know what that's gonna look like later on. But I do think this is a moment in time. I I really believe life will go back to normal. It's just a question of when. So I would really encourage kids right now who are still in some form of quarantine aren't doing the regular things they do right now to really start to find their interests. You know, there are so many um, things that a kid can do. There are so many creative outlets for a kid these days. And with social media, they can find an audience for whatever they create. So, you know, I found my own interests in my home um, when I was a kid, and, and that was drawing, comics, and computer programming. And I got to be all three. So I would really encourage kids to chase after their passions, their interests, and really pay attention to what their interests are, because those interests will change over time. Uh, but the things you do now as a kid lay the groundwork for your future. Now as far as kids that go back to school, of course I want them to be safe. Uh but I, I, I'd say the same thing is that I think this is the moment in time, masks in school, you know, eating at your desk, it's not normal, it's not natural. So but we'll take we'll take part you know instead of nothing, so I'm hoping that we can find a way to have a good experience with this, much in the same way that we're doing a tour that's not normal um for us all to figure out something that's a new normal uh, that works for now.
1: that is fantastic advice um as a teacher as i you know, kind of see what other teachers are saying in my community and throughout the country on social media. I know that a lot of teachers right now are stressed. A lot of teachers are scared. uh, and The things that we're having to focus on today are, like with all of these things we've been talking about, Jeff, things that are not normal. And I think that a lot of us have just haven't had the opportunity to really think about why we're teaching and why we're going back and what we love about it. And one of the ways for me that helps is to hear stories. Um, Mm, from people. So do you have a, could you end with like a story? Do you have a story about a teacher or a situation in school that was positive that could maybe lift up a teacher and just help them to just remember our why?
2: Absolutely. And I've read that you're a fifth grade teacher. That was my favorite year. That's awesome. Good choice. (laughs) Um, in, In the fifth grade, I had a teacher named Mrs. Norton, who was, I'd say she was in her 60s. She had kind of a, um, I guess a, a matronly um, bearing, um, and not not the kind of you know not the perfect match for you know for a, a kid like me who with ADD you know is like a, an odd pairing I guess you could say. Um, but uh, <laughs> Mrs. Norton really had a huge influence on me because she always challenged me to be better. And at that time in fifth grade, I was starting to work on my comedy. I was starting to write comedy. I was starting to do uh, comics, and I was starting to um, write, like, comedy sketches. And Mrs. Norton would see what I was doing, and she'd use the lightest touch and get me on the right track. Um, For example, one time I was creating a goofy skit with myself and my friends uh, for a talent show, and the skit was out of control it wasn't it wasn't any good it was a mess and She stepped into the room and said, "You know you need to learn the difference between uh laughing with and laughing at and then she walked out of the room and I remember that obviously to this day and it, it in many other ways um she used that same sort of a touch, for example um when uh, when I would draw a picture, you know, I got lots of praise from my, from my parents, from my friends for the pictures I was drawing. And Mrs. Norton would actually point out the flaws and she'd say, maybe you could have planned that better. Maybe you, you know, what were you thinking here? And that, that actual critical eye really helped me. It was better than praise, actually. In fact, if I had been praised by her, I would have forgotten it by now. Um so I I feel like Mrs. Norton really taught me to be uh better than the version that I was. And I'll just end with a little story uh in Mrs. Norton's class that didn't involve me. There was a kid named James. who was a, a very quiet kid. He barely spoke a word all year all year long. And then on the very last day of school, she said, "James, I'm going to give you 5 minutes and you can do whatever you want." And without hesitation, James jumped up on the table and did a little uh, tap dance routine, then did a Groucho Marx impression and I think he did a, a number of other things. And it was amazing. And then he just sat down and was quiet again. And there was something about Mrs. Norton. She she knew that was in him. And, and she gave him that moment. And I think that that is the magic of a teacher, is that you might have 30 students. In a year, um, but but if you can do anything to nudge your student along and get them on the path that they need to be on, it it doesn't always take that much. You know, sometimes it's just a nudge and it can really change a kid's life. And I just think that uh, you, in in particular, Colby, it's it's like fifth grade. Wow. My feeling is the word that shouts out at me is privilege. Is that you have the privilege? to show kids the world for the first time they can learn about greek mythology and art history and just about anything uh, from you for the first time and i think that is it's 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 really a sacred mission that you have and so i just want to thank you for taking that role teachers uh have have a hard life and and you know they're not paid what they what they deserve uh so on behalf of myself and Everybody else who's a parent, I just want to say thank you so much for for taking on that job.
0: A huge thank you to Jeff Kinney for chatting with me. Thank you to Heinemann Publishing for sponsoring this episode. Thank you to Philip Stead for creating our theme song. And shout out to my friend and co host Travis Yonker for helping me edit today's show. Really looking forward to talking to Travis about the NBA bubble. Thank you for listening to The Yarn, and thank you for supporting independent bookstores. I'm Colby Sharp. Thanks for listening.